0: You're listening to Oh Hey Heather. Tell me a story. Real stories, real experiences by real people. I hope you enjoy. Oh my goodness. I actually was going to start recording myself like 20 minutes ago and get all comfortable. And there was this part of the story that I wanted to talk about because it was so unique and cool. But I couldn't remember what the quote was so I thought I would search for it anyway I was I went and did one of those uh, gun class where you can learn your conceal and carry and I did it because I just I really want to feel safer and understand it my husband has them and I can okay I can say I did it and it was very good it was very nice and easy because it was friends who were um, they're both active duty and um, did this on their own. And this was their first inauguration of being certified to teach the class. So they asked us to sit in and do it. And so that made it even easier and nicer because they were getting comfortable too. And are very, 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 very knowledgeable. It was very informative. and In fact, we even ended up, it was like from, it's supposed to be 8 to 4, but it was 8 to 5. But I felt a lot better about it all still never want to use one, but at least I can say I know how. Um, anyway, the point was the instructor, I, I was friends with one of them, not this one. So I met him and it was at his property on a very, very nice new barn. No insulation. It was really chilly, but they warned yes, So you had blankets and coats and it was very comfortable, but their house was adorable. It was gorgeous. And it was a, uh, House. that was like a birdhouse. Like literally, it looked like a birdhouse, and you go inside and it's like a cottage. I mean, it, you think about. It's just so cute. It's like, you could see it being something that you played with with dolls, but it was like human size and very, very beautiful and updated. So it's just, awesome. And their property was gorgeous, and private. And I thought, man, this would be the life, you know. So anyway, we'd have to go into the house to use the restroom, but you just went like right into the house, but. wife was there she's adorable Um, an amazing baker and she does that people have orders that she actually has to fulfill and she actually pays people to come help her get it done because it's taken off and um, they have three boys anyway on their wall in the hallway where you wait to use the bathroom was a sign and it was a nice biblical quote that I read because I peed a lot that day and I probably read it three times. And I can't remember what it was. And I think it said Jacob. And I remember saying Jacob. I don't think that's a book in the Bible. And then I thought, well, there's that story about Jacob and Jacob's Ladder. But blah well, so I thought I'd try to find it. And I wasn't even going to talk about it. I didn't even pay no mind to it. I read it because I was standing there and it was in the hallway. So I read it because it was something to read while I was standing in the hallway. So... I didn't think it noteworthy to be talking about or even try to reference it later or remember it. I just thought, huh, that's cool. Not that I wanted it. Not that I wanted to replicate it. Not that I wanted to find it for myself because it really spoke to me. Nothing, no. And still doesn't, but. It was a very nice quote. and it was a very nice piece of art. And I thought. If anything, it added more to the character of just how. Beautifully genuine their life was because you could feel it. It wasn't fake. It wasn't. It wasn't fake. It was genuine. And uh, he also serves military and now police. So pray for all of those people because I can't imagine what... Well, I can. They shared things with me. And uh, it's really sad. It's it's like, I don't know, man. When I was a kid, cops were cool. I remember I was so excited in the fifth grade because my social studies project... Because back then we used to do social studies projects was about police and I got to tour the police station and they explained how everything works and how they arrest and I remember it was called like procedures something police procedures and arrest or something because I thought it was sounded really cool and they like explained it walked me through the process and taught me all about it I just thought it was fascinating and I and when you saw cops you were like we waved at them they were nice to them you knew their names you know and they kept you safe And uh, it went from like the stereotypical Barney Fife and Dukes of Hazzard to more of a, you know, um, Hill Street Blues, uh, I don't know. Police Academy was not very, I mean, it was funny stuff, everything was funny, but in real life you knew cops were cool and they were great and they protected you and you... Looked up to them just like anyone else, you know? Anyway, I'm off the subject. Point is, I really feel like we're all sitting back watching them be at war for a job. And if they leave, which why wouldn't you? My gosh, why would you want to keep that job? And it's not like you couldn't go drive a FedEx truck and make the same amount of money. I mean, think about this, people cops aren't rich and if anything they're usually struggling just along with us they can live on the same streets or apartments we have, you know and then get up the fact that their divorce rates are through the roof phenomenal because that kind of a job takes tolls on people and changes you and takes a lot of hours and takes really strong marriages to make it work I'm not giving them a pass guys, sometimes you guys marry some really packages so chicken or the egg Because cops can also be overly, you know, whatever. They have just as many problems as us. They're just escalated because of the type of stressful line of work they have to do. So, there's that. Anyway, what I was talking about is I can not imagine being a cop right now. But that's not that. Back to the story of trying to find this quote. The reason why the quote stood out to me was because, for whatever reason today, I was running very late, but I wasn't. It's like, I now have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful friend back who's on my team who loves actually managing and organizing. So for her, it's not a disservice to help me with my schedule. So she's been doing that and she patted it really nicely so I had drive time. And usually, I don't. So anyway, I had a Zoom meeting that I thought I could do without people seeing my face while I drive and just listen to it and be a part of it that way. And I took back roads. And I'm not saying, like, like it would have been 40 miles from one location to another location. It was going to be 40 minutes anyway. And I took the windy road, so it took me 52 minutes. And all I did was drive, you know, between 25 and 55, depending on the road, the curves, and the little bebopper towns you passed through along the way of zigzagging. And I even had to use my GPS, because even though I live in the whole area and know it all, I I still get confused on back roads. So, anyway, I was doing that, and I was noticing that there's these little pockets of roads that I don't see every day that have gorgeous, gorgeous properties. Adorable, nice properties. And I thought, you know, I wish we knew exactly what state we wanted to wind up in and where we wanted to settle down, because I would love to just go ahead and do that and get it all ready to be our our quiet place on the outer belts of interest for whatever and just relax but I can't complain we're blessed we have a beautiful home that we can actually afford and um, live modestly that is still let's face it what is it what's that statistic there's like an it's an astronomical statistic then when you hear about it you're like all oh, that makes sense like, even though I'm considered upper, not even upper, I'm considered middle class. I am I would say, I'd put me right there, socioeconomically. And let's face it, guys, I really, 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 really don't think it's about skin tone. I think it's about socioeconomical status and stereotypical behavior patterns that we give people. Hence, neck tattoos and saggy pants. That can happen in any place, trust me, I'm from West Virginia. And, um anyway if you were to stereotype me in my current socioeconomic class because I've been all over you know growing up I was West Virginia mountain not mountain we were in the valley but you know father was steel mill paper mill and it was always layoff you know the market and the presidencies affected like whatever they were doing but growing up it was uh very, very modest, but we had a wonderful parents that did everything they could to make it as normal as possible, and it helps when your father's a carpenter, because you end up with tree houses and little uh, cabins in the woods with escape tunnels, and he was always building forts and teaching you stuff. So, anyway, but if you were to look at me socioeconomically, we would have been lower blue collar. And then... Became poverty, welfare for a while. Myself, not while I was with my family, but when I was my own teen family. Then moved up to married suburbanite mother, career lady with a middle class life of enjoying life. Take a vacation every year, you know. Have a car that you know isn't going to break down. And if it is, it's probably got a warranty or something. But modest, blessed, lovely, awesome. Anyway, back to the story. I'm driving, and there's that sign. Somebody made the sign that was that same lady's thing on her wall. And it was like imagine a for sale sign that was actually four times bigger like not quite a small billboard but like if something were up for an auction like if you were going to drive by a farm there was an auction sign like that size it was like that size and it was in this yard of a of a really nice well-kept home that maybe I would love to afford one day but anyway I don't know I'm happy where I'm at back and forth back and forth I'm like, what is it with the same? And then I thought, you know, I've been really acutely aware of signs because they've been freaking me out a lot lately. And I thought that's a sign, literally, but I can't remember it <laughs> because it was once I drove by it that I was like, oh, that's that thing on that lady's wall. That if you were to tell me it was blah 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 by whoever. But so then I started with minimizing this and not recording. And instead starting with uh, getting into one of them Bible apps to see if I could search. And then I thought there's no Jacob in the book. I was right. So maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was James. Maybe it was Jonah. I'm like, I don't remember. So then I just started looking up. um, I got out of that and I went into just straight up Safari and was looking for Bible verses to talk about wealth or finance or something. Because it was the message of it. I remember like the context was to be graciously grateful for what you have. Like don't get greedy or something. like, And that that's what leads to, obviously I, I felt like it connected with, it just so now happens to resonate with, with what's going on in our world. Because let's all face it, I don't care what side you fall on. We are in the world we are in. Because all of the elite top 1% of the people decided so and here we are they all line their pockets globally because what they can make here isn't enough so now they've got to sell everything to all these global markets so that the millionaires can become billionaires and then billionaires can become gazillionaires and then we can just keep paying the bills for everything they've got to do to make it happen it's just pretty crappy but anyway when you look at the world even though i'm just middle little middle class me I'm in the like top 5% of global income. Because there's that much poverty. And poor places. in all the places that we currently are now doing business even worse with. Ugh, it makes me sick. It's like. If Chipotle. Ends up with some really bad. Like really bad virus. Because of something that happened to one of the foods that they sourced. And it was supposed to be ethically done, and it wasn't, because they still spray them. I mean, let's be honest, they're probably still spraying them for something, or treating the dirt, or doing something. Anyway, let's per se, however it was stored, prepped, done, I don't know. Because cause I've even heard people talk about, like, mass farming is so huge, because it was like, more money, more money, more money. But now, the way things are mass produced, if something does go bad, being able to figure out where it came from is almost impossible, because of all the cross-contaminants that are everything like they even talk about the fact that our workers a lot of them are immigrants who are living in substandard housing with multiple people within it that have created more of a germ heavy like environment while going into these places to work long hours amongst poultries and vegetables and fruits that are also chemically treated with things preserved and stored and they're like there's you from the trucks and the shipping and they're like there's no like if something's got E coli on it you're like good luck, you know. But l- let's just per se. if Chipotle got some type of bad ingredient that made people like like hospital ill sick, okay? Maybe even some people that were already compromised, maybe there was like a they a couple deaths or something. Again, this I'm just pulling I'm grasping at straws here. And Chipotle is like beside themselves, making it stop, preventing it, fixing it, doing the right thing, don't even care. They'll go bankrupt if they have to to make right for this. Wouldn't you expect them to go back on all of their vendors who provided the things to find out what they did wrong and how they did it so that you could guarantee it's not going to happen again? Because if you're going to dig out the hole, they need to be a partner too because it's their fault, even if they didn't mean to do it. Wouldn't that make sense? Well, then, I have one word China. Here's a second word virus. Don't do business with them. Come on, LeBron, quit selling all your crap and all your shoes and then telling us we're the bad guys. Quit. There's a reason why there are safety nets on all of their buildings so that they can make your new Apple iPhone and Nike shoes. They're dying, and they're mistreated. And 95% of this world is poor. I'm in the top five, and we get by, and we do well, and we are very fortunate and happy, and I could be happy for the rest of my life. But we need to quit doing deals with people to personally help government pockets when we know they are mistreating their company, AKA their humans, to the point of constant poverty and slavery and health and sickness, and you know it's in Africa, it is in Asia, it is in Russia, it is in all the countries that have broke off and done wars and everything else, and therefore, if if we really truly want to make this world a better place, then let's make this world a better place, but let's start in our own backyard. Let's start here, get this fixed, and then start helping everybody else with smart, ethical business that makes sense for all and makes all humanity treated caringly and kindly. And I don't care what anyone says, America is the best hope we had and have. Are we perfect? No. Do the majority of us want to all get along? Yes, we were a couple years ago, folks. You know it. I don't know what's happening, but This has got to stop and we've got to unite fronts and understand that we are all the middle class, just in the middle of the pond. And I'm sorry I'm going down this road, but I remember reading that feeling like here's something that was spoken thousands of years ago and it's actually relevant today. And now I've seen it twice and that is very weird and I can't even tell you what it is. Because after I quit searching for it on Google because I couldn't figure it out, I thought, I'll just get on Amazon and try to order a wall sign And say, you know, random, like, Jacob, quote, song, wealth, I don't know. And then I ended up going to Pinterest. And needless to say, I was running out of time. Because 20 minutes in, I still can't remember what the quote was. But I just felt like it really slapped me in the face. Like, what is it? What's the message? Help me share it. And it's that we all work and take care of our own and love. And by take care of our own, I mean... We fight to keep our tax dollars focused on making America better, helping our inner city families because I'm telling you, for every gangbanger thug out there that's killing each other and making all the streets unsafe like like what Baghdad is probably like, we have families within there that want to get out and don't know how and need education and the care and the support to lift them up so that no one continues to repeat this cycle of fatherless violence. It's in every race and it's just in those bad pockets of those cities and we have to help people stop. We have to end the war in our own country and then we have to quit doing business with people that treat their countries badly because humanity is, is at stake here, guys. So another thought, I'm starting to get a lot of emails from LinkedIn with careers that I guess match the skill set things they do to make you build your resume. And I wondered if LinkedIn, do they socio-engineer their system to request me to only pick 10 skill sets of so many years of experience that we have? because they wanted to match me with the jobs that required them? Or was that a afterthought once they were collecting the data to just do more skill set learning on the types of demographics they have there? You know what I'm saying? I wonder if that's the same type of thing we're dealing with now, only it's reverse socio-engineering to get us to break apart and segment ourselves so that no one can fit in anywhere when that's the only thing humans want is to belong. And now I think we don't belong at all because we're just trying to fit in which means we're conforming to the stereotype of the segment in order to fit into something that won't let us belong unless we have the exact same ideas which means we truly don't belong because then that means we don't have our own ideas So we become minions, and we don't have opinions. That's a lot of thinking, but I took a really long road trip today, and it was very nice and relaxing, and I think I'll do it again. Thanks, guys. And there you have it, another episode of Oh Hey Heather. I hope it has made you think of a story of your own, or how you could relate to this one, or if anything, just... something you could enjoy. Thanks everyone and have a great one.